Hello, and welcome to Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness. I'm your host, Inman Narrowin, and I use they-them pronouns. Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness is a collectively-run publisher dedicated to producing and curating inclusive and intersectional culture informed by anarchistic ideals. This can include stories, fiction, poetry, memoir, nonfiction, theater pieces, comics, books, pop culture analysis, recipes, music, history, podcasts, and occasionally, essays in theory. We are looking for content that doesn't know where it fits in. For people that don't know where they fit in. On this podcast, we have audio versions of our monthly featured zine, read by a brilliant voice actor, along with interviews with the author. If you would like to hold in your hands a hard copy of our monthly feature, please consider subscribing to our Patreon, where you will be mailed a lovely zine once a month, along with occasional other trinkets. Our Patreon helps make things like this podcast possible, as well as supporting other podcasts we put out. Are you a prepper? Or just trying to figure out how to survive a collapsing society? Check out Live Like the World is Dying, your podcast for what feels like the end times. Hosted by our own collaborator, Margaret Kiljoy. Our Patreon also helps us pay authors of the monthly feature, transcribers, artists, editors, and translators. So if you like what you hear, please consider subscribing at patreon.com slash strangers in a tangled wilderness. But also, money is very silly. If you would like to submit a piece that you think would find a nice home with us, visit tangledwilderness.org for our submission guidelines. We're always accepting submissions, especially for our monthly feature, which is uh, where the features for this podcast come from. Um, so if you would like to... If you would like to be part of that, then uh, please consider submitting. This month, we bring to you a collection of poetry by my dear, dear friend, Sevi, etc. It's a collection called Wash Sea Out of Hair and Drive, and is their first chapbook. It's filled with sadness, heartbreak, joy, conversations with plants, reflections on youth, and the struggles of existing and being queer. Sevi is a trans, non-binary, multimedia artist and plant enthusiast, currently residing in the southwest on Tohono O'odham land. Sevi is a youth poet, sorry, Sevi is a youth poetry and art teacher and a student of ceramics and glass. Their zine and other info about Sevi can be found at sevisevi.wixsite.com slash blooms. That's S-E-V-I-S-E-V-I dot W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com slash blooms or by emailing them at seviexc at gmail.com. That's S-E-V-I dot X-C-E-T-E-R-A at gmail.com. After listening to the collection, stick around for an interview with Sevi about the chat book, being a teacher, and some other stuff. This is Wash Sea Out of Hair and Drive by Sevi Giovanni etc. Read by CJ Kitten Miller. Published by Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness. Chapter 1 You think we'd find more human teeth on the street sometimes, the way every person loses so many. What kind of body? 
I told you Hackberry is my favorite. You bit into it, said, there is no flesh on this fruit. That was never the point. Understory, or a pre-surgical examination beneath Mesquite Archway. My footprints muted by dampened soil. Fallen colors caught on leaves and adjacent grass blades. I stop to push rocks and sticks aside the ground. Expose a piece of mud, I scratch a square. Only then can I remember earth and the ability to hold. Only then can I remember space and taking it. In absence and erasure, cottonwoods line banks. The disembodied speaker sounds of wet, slow shaking and a dance with breeze. In a dance with breeze. And in the distance, even asters hold umbels at stake and odds with the wind. Oh, how that might feel. The blow of new wings. Anointed. Sometimes with babies. No goodbyes from babies. Closure terminal, porous vessel, access sifter. Holy and enclosure. The queer body holds babies but cannot hold onto babies. Is not in spaces. Is a childhood far away from the gang prayers. This is toy. So very toy, the soft head. The balcony is sky tower, is sky above the crib. Baby is sky and scrap. Er, for city baby, crying baby. Feet too soft to walk away, baby. To cast the movie infant with cheeks. To cast the movie infant with cheeks. And how that infant's cheeks flushed factory milk and breastless hope. Sorry, baby. Happy baby. Fat baby. Not your baby. I felt your distance. I felt your distance, I. Looked up the definition of extraneous, but I meant of extenuating, as in circumstance. Validated excuse. This desert heat, this harborless hole. Four giant cinder cone anthills mark my new street. That's how I know where to turn left, how to find my paint-chipped casita. Paved overflowing washes, renamed. Renamed. Much, much smaller ants eat the compost pile by Teresa's, who leaves stickers on old fruit in my garden, now stunted by shade, soon to be heat-blown. Just like that, last year, no rain. Well, hardly. And I watch the spaces for distant hangs shrink and shrink. Sweat runs fast down into my eyes. All that salt got confused for tears. We tear the calendar down, bullying. Oh, there's confinement greater. The anticipation is harrowing still. This is no ode to a nightingale who singest of summer in full-throated ease. The bird outside my window is obnoxious as a jay entangled in gray cloud cover, recovering from last summer.
missing monsoon and we plus her, shake down the clock of a momentary spring. A section of this poem is asterisk as an excerpt from Ode to a Nightingale by John Keats. We make space every month. We make a space every month. Pressing the mesh of our flesh together to make sure it still fits. We know it does. I whisper many breaths into your ear with the word cherish on it. We both remember that back and forth is to sew. I drew an infinity sign where an X should be. Ghost ship RAP. To the charcoal, you blacken a night to solvent. To the lost bodies, however formerly questioning existence. Daybook. One. See the creosote generational, the stomata scented when the sky is so warm it smooths you. Spend all day trying, touch from earth. Two. Tomorrow's high will be 109. I'll leave to garden the chocolate maker's house. I hand water seedlings, slow the transition into life has a chance not to be consumed. Drown, under mesquite tenants tend land, feeling the extent of the landlord's investment, feeling the lack of care one places on structure rented. Three, mom says, you're so damn negative. No one thanks parenthetical girls for being realists. Someone small, purple target dress, maybe seven, tells Pony, Hey girl, can I have a turn spinning? Pony in blue answers, Two is too young to know the liminal between monsters and dreams. We wait for all the nouned kids of queers to change back to man names. A name becomes dead only after you kill it. The process is haunting, as in, prepare to be haunted by ghosts for a very long time. This internet age, the most searchable thing we know together, new language youth create, is the seedling, may we bring water. The way you move sentences. A big toothed you takes me to fries. Late night, makes me push the cart, makes me think I can find joy in grocery exhaustion. You angel, inside my body rest is momentarily forgotten and this new coffee. Brain and movement, who is he dancing? Daily pieced and vibrant, remembering multitasking and nightlife, chasing water still. Inside my mask, the air circulates with whirls of garlic. Keeps closure over lipstick. I scribble cocktails and how to center clay on the same blue-lined note card. Notice you free-pouring green-eyed. 
talking through your hands, unworded things. Friday night, there's a neon party for those who think Tucson Pride isn't dead. Instead, we play a death game. Anti-survival around candlelight. I am the big ex-pro wrestling with circumstance. Finding patience and vice. Of all the virtues one could choose, patience feels so impractical. Yes, I know then this is the lesson. Misgender cis people give the gift of humility. Open carry. Chapter 2 The virus is already inside us and every conversation. 1. Calling while trans. I say my name, which is legally not. Everything legal. Dystopia, too, is trending. I mean, for real, how many apocalypse stories can I read in a week? 2. The C word. Twice the cringe. See next Tuesday. Do not touch yonic waves. I was masked. I was matter. Floating. Contagion. Tent in your backyard. The your is to uncomplicate confusion. Nothing is yours, really, let alone community. Three. Allure. A man and a big truck pull up. Briefs sag blood-stained. An empty pocket dick opens door to pick up. Package flung and turns to see. Big grin, pressed foot on brake. Four. Touching objects. Neutral temp. Stronger the bottom is bound tightly in straw, the top becomes disorder. Brittle, kinked so, fragile, unyielding. My fake friend Tommy said, Hey there, does touch live inside you? Did you stay inside all day waiting of rest? Socks dried, a roommate's help, a wet bleach rag, a park stroll sit, another walk, another walk, three-way friend video star. Remember thinking last week you were going to buy a record player? Or put a weird ad out for a trade proposition about a record player? Remember last week when people's favorite thing to trade was money? Remember this week when people's favorite thing to trade is still money? I have to drown people out of my head in order to write poetry now. How sick is that? Pothos plant. They like you because you're hard to die. And here I am, a houseplant guy. Pothos. I used to think keeping plants confined, roots bound out of sun's warmth, Away from pollination, away from being a part of something bigger, is a trapping, a self-serving domination again. I sit next to you. My favorite event of the year is virtual. I am unready to charge this year's passivity. Solo, screened in, 
unbecoming slideshow commemorates adrenaline mess kiss the rest in pieces we haven't felt in so long the adjacent heat of sweat i have you not pothos this is just where i'm at like every other basic office bitch distancing i saw you today on social media I saw you through a screen door. I saw you today as we drove by parked, empty streets bellowing loudly, exactly nothing either of us say. The dove's throated hum seeps under screen. True, I too don't know how to survive in this place without water. Wind, our original pollinator, shapes this and every cliff's edge, awaiting scatter, a line already written, as poison offered freely to the hard hat on man in crawl space, withering on belly, mistaken serpent in day labor role. If I blow a dandelion your general direction, who will shift the coffin to the left every spring, so the weeds may too refuge. Can you hear me when you're older? Of soaking glockids from calloused palms, tending macrocosmos in tiny body form. Emotionally themselves children, a felt and momentary constant. What are children to mourn but the exact in front? You begged for a cookie to tears, took a bite, lost interest. What is singular stability to a young mind fed bigger as better? Another full plate to the next. Then I too vanish as you wish. The dog that barks at the blank canvas sees blue in suspension. Yes, time who moves both fast and slow is ghost. If not you, then who? Is it cruel how trans people stay young, stay pubescent, sometimes multiple times, and die instead of age? It's encapsulated youth. I feel you thinking about dying when I touch you. I'm fine with cruel being the wrong word, so tell me. A space between your love, store-bought broth, your stumble over names of plants, of places, of me. Imagine a mother not learning her own child's name. Big voice, high heat. You think bladder pod looks like a ball sack. You grimace. Imagine being so long in this world held back in fear of going forward in terror of opening, learning something, or losing everything. Chapter 3 In Narrow Beaks I blew you up. You stayed squishy. The river's tide was the opposite direction than any other day. You deflated again, and cis people were there, and the sky stayed gray, 
and instead of making out, we paddled pink sandals upstream. Wetlands off Pacific Coast Highway. The birds did make, did those lines in sandy muck mud under bridge we walk. The sky grays under clouds and a softness. This is one of your favorite spots near the stolen land I grew to leave. Sandpipers tip forward, a bow to creatures they nibble in narrow beaks. I had to take a call on the video phone by Coastal Sagebrush. Work and response. Everywhere you are ought to be working. It feels to be valid. You fill in a place important enough to always be a visitor. The video phone allows the disembodied distance of visitation of importance and never in full context of wetlands. I mourn this. We met on truck sluts. LDRs are falsely trending. We cracked the algorithm barely, fed a monstrous mouth of an impersonal internet internal. You, a glow and heart, an ode to hand-holding and leftovers, standing in the web, unwaiting. No one shouted, I love gays. No one knocked about the takeout. No one texted running late, just you, you and me at cliff's edge over sea, hiding shy faces, momentarily saved. This once, plus. This moment we sat in a river brief and filled our backs with leeches. It is still unfortunate there is not another name for birthdays. This unholy thing. Fever dream. I awoke to tiny footsteps pounding. A hard-shelled beetle sitting upright in the palm of my hand, made to safely fall. High terminal velocity, through all the angered emails, your name, a punch. And still, I wonder, say we never met. A creature who survives ice ages, but cannot turn itself over, stays hidden in the pipes. Play Polly pretend parts private. Play Polly pretend parts private. Remember when owls. Dirt won't spill secrets. It's not their fault, poor owl. As in, Exploited widely under capitalism, not as in cruel or wicked insufficiency like everyone else. Owl flaps the alien feather, beat, and from ridge top, a soft coo echoed. Forgive me for the days capitalism felt so good. One side drowns while the other dies of thirst. Dry mouth. Underneath, with you and plans at your sleeping side. Staying afloat and sport-blown. Tubular, sticky, 
in the toss of you are. Wave legs restless lay, lilies power blooming on a lake. Still, this is our year. Still, all to shield behind, cocooned in soft, sweet solar flare tinsel, hanging interim of all your room. Dreams atrophy, brittle broom, lost magic, sun-sucked and swept in bright heavy doom, fuse metal together. Tiny blackbirds spinning the fuck up, setting down layers of a thing. Only other no-birds call nest. I see us sleeping, sure. Here now I see us merely aging in the same bed. IRL Warmth from a trash fire Pretty, pretty flames New perfume on your nightgown A blaze in silk Smoky reds Those long tongues with terrible secrets Dropping lines in chat forums We met on a platform Then I bought platforms Pink Unexpecting, something just born and vulnerable, soft and without eyes. One, rock daisy buds. That science in your stomach moon, peeking through night watch. This occupied land to camp between. Us, fresh aster blanketed, re-ground. Sprained histories, our morning. Rock Daisy finally woke up, finally. Went outside and sees the tall mushroom sculptures saved from the trash. Said trash is always art. I shit outside because someone was busying the bathroom and I blame it on the dog. Two, Rock Daisy Blooms. Rock Daisy takes a Sudoku book from the dollar store, sits with tea and burnt toast, feels idleship like kid pictures on the fridge. Rock Daisy finds a nail and hammers, a dime-sized mirror called Couples on the pantry. Five packages came to the doorstep. Four other people and three breads popped up from the toaster, but two shared one slot. Connecting sides still soft. A deck of cards sat loudly. Rock Daisy, you dog. You started to shuffle. Three, rock daisy on the coast, the seeding. Vacationing in visible war zone is tricky business for relaxing. Beach views, real estate, the very sky sleeping above the sea. The ostensible infinity, lineless endings. There is a horizon rock daisy imagines feels slighted by the internet's conviction and the way the ocean is so hopelessly a Scorpio in ether unrelenting.
Rock Daisy refuses to write another poem about the sea. Knows there is no way to be in you except possible drowning. Halophytic thirst, Rock Daisy puts a fistful of sand into dry mouth. Rock Daisy, chew, chew. Had to write back you about collision, the cleanup and the slow peeling of flesh, sun-bleached bones. Exiting this life, Rock Daisy said no for the first time. First time saw sand chafing in eye sockets, but thought you might finally stop and finally wanted that tasted blood and salt-like possibilities. Rock Daisy finally wanted that. It's okay not to be working all the time. It's okay not to be working all the time. It's okay not to be working all the time. Drink the nice wine first. It's okay not to be working all the time. It's not to be working. Drink the nice wine first. It's okay not to be working, not to be working, not to be working, not to be working, not to be not to be working. And the instructions. Wash C out of hair and drive away. Uh, hi, and uh, welcome to the Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness podcast. Um, we just listened to your poetry zine. Uh, well, the audience just listened to it. We're actually recording this before the narration has been recorded, so our future selves will have just heard it. I'm pretty sure that's how time works. Um, <laughs> I'm glad sorry. someone knows. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, and th- th- thanks for the laugh. That's that's like my one my one scripted joke. Um, um, do you want to tell, tell us your name and your pronouns, um, a little bit about yourself, uh, your background and kind of what you do in the world? Sure. Hi, thanks for having me today. Um, I'm Sevi and my pronouns are they, them. I've been writing poetry for probably about 15 years, I guess, but It's been since about five years ago that I got more routinely engaged in that practice, taking classes, workshops, um, et cetera. And I'm also a gardener. Um, I'm a plant nerd and a casual, casually retired botanist. (laughs) Um, And I'm also a youth poetry teacher here in so-called Tucson, Arizona. Wonderful. Um, well, uh, your zine that we just heard, uh, wash sea out of hair and drive. Um, do you want to like, uh, you know, I know everyone just heard it. So we're very intimately, uh, 
knowledgeable about it now. But um, do you kind of want to tell us in your own words just what what what's it about? Sure. Well, um, Wash the Out of Hair and Drive is a work of selected poems that I wrote um, from 2019 to 2021 and then edited and self-published um, in February 2022. It's three chapters long and we just heard it. Yeah, and I think it's about a lot of things. I think that the three chapters, uh, I sort of kind of broke up the best I could to kind of talk about human relational aspects, um, plant and animal relational aspects, and then also this sort of backdrop of COVID that we are coming into um, at like in the middle of, of me writing this and how I just started to see the world really differently and really close up and like slowed down in a way. And you... Um, I, you were telling me before that I believe you just got your uh, first review and I that it did. was, yeah. And that it, it was kind of, it was kind of stunning too. Um, may, <laughs> it's maybe a, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very generous review. Yeah. It's it. Wow. It exploded my heart. Oh yeah. I know. I know it's like, you know, funny to maybe like read your own reviews, but the review was so wonderful. I was wondering if you oh, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't can feel I, too self-conscious. Could you because, like, yeah, yeah, please, please. You please. said describe the zine in my own words, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I, actually this review will encapsulate it better than, uh, than I ever could. I'm like, I wrote the zine. You want me to explain it? <laughs> what? That's, that's- that's not how poetry works. That's not how it works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would love to read the review. Yes. Uh, thanks. So this is a review. Let me pull it up. Um, written by an artist living in Tucson currently. Um, her name is Marigold. Um, and yeah, shout out actually to her music too at the Reverend Marigold. Um, you can check that out where most things are streaming. It's fantastic. Um, anyway, Marigold writes, the strength of this work is in the author's ability to find the perfect thing to focus on in every piece. Each poem seems to orbit around a single phrase, a stanza which anchors the whole piece together. The lines whirl around that focus until you reach the tipping point when everything in the piece seems to solidify together just for a moment until they break off into motion again, much like starlings in flight. So often we see poets who write honestly, but keep one tone throughout a work. The author of this collection is not afraid to show how even the deeply tragic, important, and transient moments of our lives hold levity, something to be laughed at. And instead of distracting, these lines elevate the rest of the work, keeping me engaged and wanting to read more. But of all the wonderful things I could say about this work, that which I felt most strongly radiating off the page was a deep trans love. It has been a long time since I have read a work which so genuinely and earnestly captures what my experience of loving as a trans person has felt like. The poem, What Kind of Body?, is perhaps the best encapsulation of this to me. 
Though only a few lines, it wastes no words, and each image is sensorily visceral. It plays with the idea of love as consumption via one person discussing their love for hackberries and another swallowing it down, dismissing it, saying, there is no flesh on this fruit. The final line in response states, that was never the point. Loving something truly is not loving it for what it can give you, but only for what it is. The poem forces a change in perspective. We too are taught to assume that what the first speaker means is that hackberries are their favorite to eat, but they love it for a different reason. There's no flesh on this fruit, yet we love it anyway. This poem draws a clear analogy between the berry and loving trans bodies. Trans bodies are so often vilified in media, unconsumable, unpleasant to taste. We are not swallowable by what society demands we be, but the hackberry is not here to be eaten. It is here simply because it is, to be loved for what it is and how it is. This poem made me truly reassess my relationship with my own body, fleshless though it is. Despite never having eaten one, hackberries are my favorite now too. <laughs> the zine also shows me a more honest reflection of trans love in the times we live than many others I've read. The way you move sentences is one of the best reflections of falling in love with another trans person, with life with another trans person and with life, despite being surrounded by so much grief. Using sensory descriptions to drag one beans into the moment, it slows down to the movement of the hand, the smell of garlic on the breath, the skillful pour of a drink, the glitter of an eye. It shows the variety love can take and how we can communicate it without words in a time where physical closeness and seeing a smile uncovered is in and of itself a deep act of intimacy. This poem, these poems also capture grief more purely and more accurately to the times than many others I've read. It's a specific grief that arises from living in a trans body. If not you, then who broke my heart? And I will not say more than this. To close, this work is deeply honest, transparent, loving, grieving, do, doing what poetry does best, capturing the unnameable of human life and saying it in as few and true of words as can be done. Aw, that's so sweet was a very sweet review and yeah that in summary is the zine better than i could have ever said it um so yeah thank you marigold and and check her music out at the reverend marigold it's very fabulous um yeah yeah thank you thank, and thank you marigold for also maybe doing my job better than i could <laughs> um as as Sevi already knows, um, I'm not much of a poetry nerd. I do enjoy it, but it's not something that I've spent a huge amount of time actually learning about, which turns out is a perfect segue into my next question, <laughs> which is, so uh, you are a teacher and you teach uh, a lot of like youth poetry. I do. Um, yes. Yeah. Do you want to, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Like kind of like what it looks like and like what, like how that, how, like, how is that? What is that like? Sure. Yeah. Um, teaching youth poetry is something that I've been doing here in so-called Tucson for about the, the past five years. Um, through a couple different capacities, um, I was assigned a couple fifth grade classes through this program called Writing the Community. And we did sort of 
semester long poetry residencies and I also used to run workshops uh, for four to six year olds, which was so fun. Four to six year olds are sort of pre-writing. So getting to engage them in poetry before so many rules are even learned was very exciting. Um, but yeah, more um, concurrently with that and presently I teach vis uh, youth visual arts and poetry um, we take kids down on a field trip to the river. We talk about riparian habitat, which is also very fun for me as, as a, you know, a botany nerd. And then uh, we'll come back to the classroom and we'll have a little, we'll have a couple sessions together to sort of work on um, using visual art or poetry as expression. Um, so yeah, I, I love working with young people and teaching youth and doing so has really been pivotal in developing my own writing practice. Um, do you, do you want to say a little more about, about that? Like how, like how has that kind of like influenced your writing practice? Oh, sure. Well, hmm. there's this really special role that I get to play. Uh, potentially I'm the first grown up to invite creativity into writing you know, you think most kids is relationship to writing in school, unless, you know, they have parents at home who are engaging this is essays, homework, you know, assignments, there's rules, there's tests, they're getting graded, they're getting critiqued. Um, and so writing does quickly, a lot of, a lot of kids quickly develop a fraught relationship with writing. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's definitely one of those things. It's easy to draw the comparison with like with visual arts, you know, if we're coloring or we're drawing or we're painting, it's easy to say, um, yeah, painting is art and I'm using, you know, painting as a form of expression. Like most people get that, but creative writing and using writing as a form of expressing emotionality or, you know, like holding space for exploration in yourself is sort of a thing that um, it's really fun to invite kids into, especially if they've never stepped into that space before. Um, and of course, you know, no one should have to give anyone permission to step into that space. But in the world of, you know, institutionalized schooling and education, like, um, yeah, that does unfortunately have to happen. And so, yeah. I get to hold a space where we use writing for fun and we get silly and we make up words. We break the rules. They, we break the rules that they've spent so much time learning and being graded on. Um, so, you know, I love to say, yeah, you get to use all caps, no caps. You get to forget about periods. You get to spell things, you know, wrong, quote unquote, or phonetically or whatever. You know, kids will always be like, how do you spell? How do you spell? I'm like, yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, if we want to figure out the spelling later, we will just, you know, take a guess. And I think that's really a space that hasn't been explored a lot in school. Like uh, the arts program in Tucson and TUSD is already um, getting cut so much. So, like creative writing is not, I don't think, being explored like so much. So, yeah, it's fun. Um, yeah. And I tell, I tell them it's really our chance to get to fuck the system. <laughs> you know, I might not yeah. verbatim say that <laughs> in school, but 
I'm like, yeah, whatever you, there's no rules in poetry. And I'm sure, you know, like academic poets are like, there are rules, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, are there though? Um, Cause actually anything can be a, you know, anything can be a poem. And I, and I tell kids that I'm like, if you say it's a poem, I can't really argue with you. So mm -hmm. um, it's kind of just like seeing how they show up when they're invited into that space. And I think it's intimidating. It takes trust and vulnerability to kind of build, but wow, some really, really cool things have come out of it. Cool. Um, how do you, like, how do, how do kids or like youth, like usually respond to that, like being granted this or being like invited to, sorry, really want to differentiate between being like, you know, granted something or like, like given permission versus like being mm -hmm. invited to like step out of their like uh like the confines of rules or whatever yeah totally i know i i want to be careful with my language there too because yeah for all the reasons you're also thinking but um i think that some kids get really excited about it and I think it's like a cool point of defiance. I think some kids surprise themselves what comes out. Mm -hmm. I've kids are processing a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And those things like some of the poems, especially with middle schoolers are um, just so intensely emotional and heavy. Um, and then some kids are just, really like, okay, I'm going to goof around and have fun. And I'm just making all onomatopoeias and I'm just doing, <laughs> I'm making up word. And I'm like, yeah, make up words, make up words, use all the languages, you know, all at once, like make your own language up. You know, it's like poetry can literally be that. And especially for kids, it literally should. Um, yeah. and you know, I think that there's like really a magic that happens when kids get to write poetry before, hopefully before so much of like the institutionalized structure gets hammered into their head that they can kind of like just express, but yeah, you know, it's like, because I also teach visual art, I just, I sort of get to see this juxtaposition where it's really a different thing with writing because of its context within institution and access. Mm -hmm. um, and so watching this unraveling is, just such a special thing. And it's definitely taught me a lot about my own practice in that way. Yeah. Yeah. That must be so like wonderful to like get to, <laughs> to get to see mm -hmm. that. Um, I am very excited because uh, ne next year I might have a job um, teaching uh, middle schoolers how to play D and D. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And you'd be so good at that. Yeah, I'm so excited, like sort of for those same reasons of like being able to like invite like kids into creativity or creative These process. Worlds. Yeah. These yeah. whole magical worlds. Yeah. And like, like, I don't know, do you, do you think about that when you're writing, like how to like that, the, like that you are like building this kind of like imaginary world or like, um, uh, place to kind of like transport people or mm -hmm. yourself. Absolutely. Like what, yeah. What, like, what is that? What does that landscape kind of look like for you? If that <laughs> question makes any sense. Mm, maybe I don't fully understand the question, but I, 
because I think it's sort of like, what does that look like for them? Like for me, yeah. I'm ready to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like totally, <laughs> I'm totally down to hold the space. And as you know, bananas as the kids want to make it, like I'm here for that, you know, and we're learning the whole way too. you know, we'll talk about metaphor. We'll talk about simile. We'll talk about alliteration. We'll talk about using our five senses. You know, we'll talk about showing versus telling and what's the difference in poetry versus, you know, like essay writing and stuff. We're learning the whole time. Um, And we'll listen to songs and we'll talk about figurative language. You know, we'll play different popular songs that everyone knows and we'll talk about, you know, we'll talk about how lyrics are poems, stuff like that. So that's, that's definitely a bridge, a bridge point. You know, a lot of kids will tell me that I don't, I've never read a poem before. You have Mm -hmm. high schoolers tell me that. And I'm like, no, (laughs) have you ever heard a song? You've you've been listening to poetry. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Like that you know all the lyrics to that one song. I, exactly. I don't know what I don't know what I don't know what high schoolers are listening to right now, so I can't name uh, a song. But. Yeah, mostly just Baby Shark. Um, but yeah. yeah, you're not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but sadly, that was the era that I was. Baby Shark was the era that I was teaching middle school in. Um, and yeah, middle school is just challenging. I love high school and I love elementary school, but I try to, um, middle school is, is a good challenge for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, wait, um, can I come to your D and D class? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't have the, I don't have the class yet. <laughs> okay. I, don't, I don't have the job yet. So I, I mean, we can play D and D sometime. <laughs> okay. What do you have to teach me? Great. Maybe I should do an adults class too. Um, yeah, do an adults class and it'll be like lesson planning for your other class. Exactly. Um, but to kind of uh, jump back to to you um, and to kind of like segue between like teaching and like um, your zine. Um, so like, like a, a kind of big theme that comes up in your zine is um, is childhood and like youth and like kind of like these relationships between um, uh, like uh, <laughs> youth and growing up and like learning hard things mm-hmm. about the world. Um, do you want to like kind of talk about a little bit about like like how you talk about youth in your poetry? I know this is getting dangerously close to explication i was you promised very explicitly asked (laughs) not to ask them to explicate their poetry um but i do want to talk about themes a little bit well all right um (laughs) yeah no i mean it's true and because i'm a teacher and because i have um you know building intergenerational community is something really dear to my heart um, as a politic and, you know, just how I want to be living and engaging in the world. I do have a lot of children um, that I'm in community with. um, And so, yeah, I do a lot of that comes through uh, in the poetry and I could talk like there's the poem anointed Oh, yeah. Yeah. The one that I very specifically wanted to ask you about. Um, you did? What did you want to ask me about? 
um, I wanted to kind of like explore this like idea of like um, you know like queerness and queer circles and our relationship with the youth and children and kind of like um, like things that were kind of like societally like caught between if that makes sense yeah that makes a lot of sense and that really is like what anointed is about I don't see a lot of trans and queer poets writing about children or babies and so yeah I think this poem is potentially unique in that way and it's an interesting topic let me Okay, I'm going to read just the first little part of it so we're all kind of on oriented on the same page. Yeah, yeah. Is that okay? A, a recap. A recap, yeah. Um, anointed. Sometimes with babies, no goodbyes from babies, close, closure terminal, porous vessel, access sifter. Holy and enclosure the queer Body holds babies, but cannot hold on to babies, is not in spaces, is a childhood, far away from the gain prayers. This is toy. Um, and it goes on. Yeah. Um, what is toy? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that sounded like yeah. a joke, but like, you know. Yeah, what is toy? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I toy with the word here. Okay, that was a really bad pun. You can cut that out. <laughs> Absolutely not cutting it out. <sighs> All right. Um, so, okay, this poem and, and toy, yeah, toy is describing, toy is really describing this mm, paradox between what we have, which is the infantili- infantilization of queerness and the way that children are gatekept from queers and queer bodies. Um, And yeah, to unpack that a little bit, I think there's something about the way that trans people and queers um, are hypersexualized and, you know, seen as pedophilic and sex driven. And, you know, and I want to say this is especially disproportionately the case for AMAB folks. and, you know, I also, you know, I do think the, hep- the hypersexualized um, culture of queerness is a subversion, which I'm 100% here for, by the way. But there yeah. is this way also that people have taken that to mean that queers aren't, queer bodies aren't child friendly. And mm-hmm. I think that this concept literally figuratively and on a community level has has wedged a huge gap between adult queer bodies and children in a way that's sad and potentially really harmful for queer and trans youth um and for accessing elders and role models and support you know it's like we're not and when I say we're, I'm talking, you know, queer and trans people. We're not casted as role models, as teachers, as parents. But we are those things. We totally are those things. And I know we are those things because some of the best mothers that I know are trans women, period, hands down. Um, and 
yeah, queers are survivors and resourceful and determined despite so much. It's extremely important that we have access to queer and trans youth and really fucked up stigma, like in the media, in movies, casting fucking, you know, trans women times and times again as pedophiles or murderers or crazy or like all these things, like all this way that media and now, now a fucking days with all the like groomer shit that's happening. Um, it's created some really harmful dissociations with children. Right. So, and you know, you see that all the time, even in like a really light way. I'm in my early thirties. I work also at a restaurant with other people, my same age and you know, coworkers will ask them like, Oh, do you have kids? You know, no one ever asks me, do I have kids? No one, no one ever said, Oh, Sevi, are you a parent? I've like almost never gotten that question. And I, you know, why other people my age, like get that question. It's like a question, you know, that straight people ask straight people. <laughs> um, but it's cause I, I don't, you know, it's because of it's, you know, well, we, it's just, there's these assumptions that are made. So anyway, those are kind of the things that I was holding and playing with in writing this and grieving sort of the disconnect um, with youth and queerness. And, you know, I think also there's this general assumption that like queer spaces or gay spaces are not kid friendly spaces. And I think a lot of queer community has even like believed that own narrative because of the stigmatization you know, of queers with kids. So anyway, it's kind of a bit of a reclaiming of that. And less politically, this poem is also about some personal grief that I've had with cultivating close relationships with children, um, with wanting to be a parent for some time and having different points of my life, it feel more or less important. But um, for a while, I was uh, nannying, these two children of cishet people who were basically my age. They're like a couple years older, but our lives were so different. And they, um, yeah, just sort of like ghosted me out of the nannying job one day. And I didn't really get to say goodbye to the kids or have any closure. It was just sort of way that I felt like so disposable after giving, just having like such an emotional bond with the kids. Um, and so, yeah, I was speaking a little bit to that specific relationship in that poem as well yeah 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 it's really it's really hard like I feel like very like unfortunately like you know queer and like like in my case at least like anarchist like spaces and like places that I've known like the idea of like these like intergenerational like really like knit together communities are like really not as prevalent as I would like them to be and like in yeah in those same ways that we like lose connections to elders like losing connections Mm -hmm. to the youth is like also like really like really really sad and really hard yeah absolutely and and it's harmful and dangerous I mean how different would your childhood be if you had access to queer and trans people like us like our age when you were a kid Yeah, I mean, so different. Like, I got introduced to, like, anarchist spaces, like, very early. Like, Mm. shout out to the, like, like, 
places like Acrespace and like Raleigh, which I don't think exists anymore, who like let teenagers come and hang out and like do mm. food not bombs and shit like that. Mm. Like, and in these like very like non like non exploitative or like weird ways, they were just there to hang out with the youth and like bring the youth into these spaces. Yeah. And like, right. really, you're like, just building community in with you. Generative ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Well, totally. And like queer, you know, queer and transness too is that type of thing where you might be the only trans person in your family. It's, yeah. it's not like you necess- like you don't have an identity marker that, that potentially anyone else in your like bio family shares, right? you might be like the only person with that identity marker or like supposedly (laughs) where there's one, there's more, (laughs) but like, you know, whatever closet, you know, but so it is also important to connect to like your roots and your history. You know what I mean? To connect you through that. And yeah, there's, we all kind of stumble into that in our own ways, but some of us could have stumbled into it sooner or could have had guidance and support of elders, you know, and there's just so much to grieve in the loss of that. Yeah. Yeah, there really is. Um, which gives me a segue. I would love to talk about this more, but we'd probably have to move on. Um, is kind of like, like, I don't know, like grief, like grief is like a large theme in Mm -hmm. your work. Unfortunately, like, a, a popular theme in poetry. Um, <laughs> but something that I really liked about it is that, um, you know, grief is present, but it also doesn't dwell on that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know this is a little bit of like a stereotypical like poet question, but like what, like how, like do you, do you use like writing or poetry as like a way to like move through any of these like kind of like harder like feelings in your own life around like, like um processing grief um or um or joy like yeah does that does that kind of make sense it does um and no not at all (laughs) not at all no (laughs) i'm just kidding that felt like an obvious yes answer so i just wanted to throw a curveball in there Um, yeah absolutely (laughs) that's like the main thing i do with poetry um yeah and you know there's no yeah and it's messy and it's big and it's hard to contain and there's no wrong way to do it and i think actually I've spent more time editing these poems than I probably did writing them. Well, 100% actually. (laughs) I say that out loud. I'm like, that's not even a comparison. I mean, my, I'll edit a poem, Jesus, sometimes upwards of, you know, 30, 40 times, honestly. It's just the the edit process, the edit process. And yeah, you know, it was Mary Shelley who said, it's an edit till you're dead. So I just, you know, it's like, I, and I don't, I can't endorse or not endorse anything about Mary Shelley. That was just a thing that came to my head. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel like in my mind, I like think like Mary Shelley is probably cool, but yeah, uh, because of like, kind of like what Frankenstein, like Frankenstein was kind of cool. Yeah. Is and was, and like, 
Like, I feel like there's some queer subtext going along in Frankenstein. And wasn't Mary yeah. Shelley queer? Oh. Am I making that up? For sure. She must have been. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I have no... I that That's 100% a guess. But I'm very <laughs> sure it's the right guess. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. I, I don't know, either. I just, but it, it feels true. And maybe... Maybe I'm horribly wrong and someone's going to be mad at me on the internet about this. No, um, <laughs> everyone wants Mary Shelley to be gay. Also, I don't think I've read Mary Shelley like any time in the last 20 years. So don't hold me to anything about it. But yeah, but I think, you know, this quote about the draft is it it's a poem is a draft till you're dead. It's like, yeah, I, I spend so much time editing. So yeah, I'll have these moments of joy or grief and... I'll do a lot of free writing and really it's like the editing process is when something more solid and structured comes through. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, um, okay. So there there's, there's a lot of, you know, references to like birds and nature and plants um, and stuff like that. Do you want to talk a little bit about kind of like, I don't know, like your relationship to like plants and nature and like how, um, like how that kind of like works into your into your writing process um, or if there's just like plants and animals that you just really want to shout out right now like, you know <laughs> whoa I get to do a plant and animal shout out yeah 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 we're running okay. a little low on time so we'll maybe keep the, the list a little brief but yeah what you can't give me a plant and animal shout out and then tell me to keep it brief um all right well shout out to my cover girl saguaro yeah um shout out to my centerfold also saguaro (laughs) um i have yeah choya in the zine um columbines in the zine yeah and you know there so there's a collection of, of poems at the end that are entitled Rock Daisy and it's Rock Daisy on the Coast, the seeding. Oh, I, this, that's very funny. I very specifically wanted to ask you about the Rock Daisy series. So yeah, Rock Daisy so Buds. You brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> Rock Daisy Buds, Rock Daisy Blooms. And then the last one is um, Rock Daisy on the Coast, this seeding, which is part three. And I chose, yeah, shout out to Rock Daisy. I chose Rock Daisy intentionally, you know, daisies. Rock Daisy is like, you know, the poster girl of daisies. It's an aster. Asters are the largest plant family in North America. It's common, you know, it's like quintessential. So I chose it to be like relatable, accessible. Like here is a um, widely known cosmopolitan plant that is just sort of the image of the daisy. It's not like this niche kind of like, you know, weird, freaky plant, which is, you know, what you might see focused on in poetry that a botanist writes, right? <laughs> but I specifically wanted something accessible for this because I was sort of talking about Rock Daisy was kind of this placeholder for moving through this like very specific grief of heartbreak and grief of like kind of boundary setting. And that is a type of thing that I know is so relatable to so many that um, I wanted to, yeah, metaphor it with 
something commonplace. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And like, you know, like in, in that series um, and, you know, throughout um, there, I'm going to, I'm going to ask a little bit of maybe a taboo question. Um, but uh, I would love to ask about kind of like the uses of you in poetry like as like a concept. I'm not, I'm not asking you to name any of the yous in your poems. That would be a horrible breach. Um, but um, uh, if, if you want to tell us a little bit about kind of like the, the, the uses of you, especially as kind of like a, a, a placeholder, like is that, is that kind of like correlation between like rock daisy use? Sorry, this is getting dangerously close to explication. <laughs> Walking a fine line. Um, yeah, you, you'll see you really stands out in, in this final series, um, of three poems and yeah, the, the, yeah, I was talking to and of someone specific, but also it's general, you know, it's general in this sort of like big you. And I will say when I decided to put this collection of poetry out, which is a rather vulnerable thing to do. And it was scary. Um, I sort of, you know, I accepted that this was going to be a collaborative process with the audience and with the readers. So the you is open for projection. I, I do hope that when people read, read a you, a Y-O-U, they project onto what needs to be in that space. Um, and so there's an invitation there as well. Cool. Um, do you like, um, again, this is me not knowing a whole lot about poetry, but I know a lot about like story and writing. Um, do you view like poetry as kind of like a, like a liminal space or like a transporting medium? Is that like a concept that you like mess around with at all in your writing? Definitely. It's, it is so liminal. It's, you know, the precipice. It's almost there and not quite there. And it's already there. And it's all the things. Um, yeah, it's uncomfortable. It's uncertainty. And I think that's oftentimes what poetry writing can be, you know, and it is un like even in the way that everyone reads poetry, it's going to be uncertain. People are going to pull different things out of it. People are going to see themes that other people don't, or you're going to project your own lens, your own thing onto it. Um, yeah. And that's, that's the invitation. And that is kind of the one cool thing about poetry is it has this abstraction in that way. And that's always been a thing that I like about poetry is it's, ex it's, it's existing in the liminal so strongly in a, in a lot of ways. And yeah, I think that is really unique. Yeah. And I don't know, <laughs> this is a little bit of an extrapolation, but like, I don't know, like, I'm like thinking about that and especially like, like queer spaces, like maybe this, <laughs> maybe this is like less so with like how the youth is now. I'm a little out of touch with how the youth are now, which I'm a little ashamed of. Um, but at least for me, like growing up, you know, like in regards to like queerness, like the that those like liminal spaces were like kind of all I had, you know? 
Um, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like a lot of times like transness is liminal or like non-binariness is liminal. And also don't be ashamed that you have a disconnection with the youth right now because that is systematically intentional. You know what I mean? Like that's part of the way that we're not prote protecting trans youth is like on a system level, we're told we're not like really fit to be with youth, you know, like we talked about before. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, you're being systematically prevented from accessing children and multi-generational community in all these fucked up ways. So don't feel shame about that. That's exactly what, you know, what the fucking system wants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's kind of this like, like balance, I don't know, between like, I, I get really into the idea of like, you know, embracing demonization, like in regards to queerness and, um, you know, there's, it's, there's, there's a fine line between that and then like, you know, wanting a family and like wanting access to these things that like, you know, they tell us that we can't have or can't do, mm -hmm. but yeah, absolutely. You know, our elders get killed off or are pre or are disproportionately and systematically predisposed to pandemics, epidemics, really fuck shit, AIDS, etc. Um, you know, yeah, hard yeah. time accessing medical care or like the same level of, of health and housing and employment and all these things like wedge a gap between el like elders in community. And then there's like all these other things like that. We, you know, the stigma stuff that we talked about before wedging a gap between children. It's just like, it's so, yeah, it's so systematically layered, but totally all of that. Yeah. Um, on that note, maybe maybe this phrase doesn't relate to that. This is the one explicative thing I'm going to really explicitly ask. Um, could you please explain the concept of power blooming? <laughs> okay, so you're referring to. I think it's I think it's in dry mouth. In dry like mouth, also sort of towards the end. I use the word power blooming, and you want me to explain that too? Well, power blooming. <laughs> <laughs> you know, power blooming is like bloom, 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 bloom. You know, it's like, it's a feeling. It's a action. It's like when your seeds are dormant in the soil and in a seed bank and then the rain hits and the sun just warms it right. And you're just like, this is my moment. And you just pop right up and you're like, boom, 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 power blooming. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Cool. I am not even going to try to connect that to anything because I think it just stands perfectly <laughs> like you just said. I think you know power blooming when you see it or when you feel it. And I think we power bloom, you know? Yeah. It's like yeah, it's absolutely. a glow it's a glow up. It's a <laughs> it's a, it's a glow up. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um that's probably about all the time that we have. Um, um, is there, is there anything else you would like to say that we like kind of haven't talked about? Um, I think that's all. This went really well. I thought. 
Um, so what do you have planned next? Do you have any like upcoming projects that you're excited about? This summer, uh, I'll be doing a week-long writing residency, which I'm very excited about since sort of editing this zine, I haven't actually been writing a lot, which is funny. Um, so I'm really excited to kind of like close, have this as a closed chapter and, and move on to a new thing. Um, I'm going to work on getting a more official spot on the interweb perhaps where you can look and order things and see what else I'm writing and maybe look at that too. Um, but I just, yeah, I've, I've had more of a just sort of casual, like, you know, hit me up for a zine relationship to it. Yeah. Uh, um, up, up until then. If folks want to hit you up for a, like, you know, because we, um, you know, we as stran at strangers, we have a very specific format for how we kind of like um, present our monthly feature, and the monthly feature in a hard copy is only really accessible to our Patreon subscribers. Um, and so, if, pe if people want a, a hard copy, and if they, or if they want to support you um, and see the poems in their original format with like all of the art that we didn't include. Um, how can, how can folks get that from you now? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, and I, you know, I will say that the self, I love and appreciate strangers so much for doing what y'all do. The self-published like size and version with the art is very specific to my vision and to how, like I imagine the work being read. And if you want to see it in that original form, yeah, please, um, please reach out like the website is kind of TBD, but you could always email me um, at sevi, et cetera, at gmail.com. And can you put that in the show notes? Yeah. I'll put that in the show notes for people. Yeah. And if I have something more specific before then, but yeah, people had just been donation based zero to 10 uh, and a couple bucks for shipping. If you got it at Venmo at Sevi Sevi and um <laughs> and then I'll just mail it. I'll mail I I'll mail you a copy, probably with like a handwritten note. Oh, that's <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to our wonderful uh reader today. Uh yes. Well CJ Kitten Miller was the wonderful voice that you heard before this and um I mean, she just reads poetry so well. Why wouldn't you have CJ read your work if that was an option? Um, so, and and you can find CJ uh, on Instagram at CJ Kitten Miller. Um, but also, please check out her work. CJ is quite a phenomenal poet poet herself, and has a series of three zines called Lipstick, Volume One, Two, and Three, and they're so good, so so good. Um, and I think on her Instagram, she also has like a website up and coming, but for now on her Instagram, you could DM for like a copy and all that. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, well, thank you so much again uh, for coming on the show and uh, take care. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. Okay.
That was Wash Sea Out of Hair and Drive by Sevi Etc. Read by CJ Miller. If you would like to find CJ, she can be found on Instagram at CJ Mil- at CJ Kitten Miller. That's C-J-K-I-T-T-E-N-M-I-L-L-E-R. For her dance and music account, check out at Leo Moon Dance or at Dimber Band. That's D-I-M-B-E-R-B-A-N-D. Thanks, CJ. If you would like to directly support Sevi and get the original version of their zine, the self-published version includes photographic accompaniments and a different formatting. Their zine and other info about Sevi can be found at sevisevi.wixsite.com slash blooms. That's S-E-V-I-S-E-V-I dot W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com slash blooms. Or by emailing them at sevietc at gmail.com. That's S-E-V-I dot X-C-E-T-E-R-A at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go tell someone about it. Whisper its name in their ear. Listen to it on a long drive from the sea. And hope the flowers over here. Another way to support this podcast directly, as well as the authors, translators, editors, and artists that we work with, is to consider subscribing to our Patreon. Subscribers receive at different levels access to digital copies of our archived zines, digital copies of new work, Patreon-only content, discounts of printed work, and monthly printed copies of our featured zine, mailed to you, along with whatever else we feel like that month. You can find us at patreon.com slash strangers in a tangled wilderness. Or check out our website for more free content, including a first aid zine that's far too relevant right now. We can be found at tangledwilderness.org, or check us out on Twitter at tangledwild, or on Instagram at tangled underscore wilderness. And as always, if you don't want to, or can't contribute financially, please rate and review us and tell a friend. We like having friends. You do incredible things that we are endlessly marveled by. We would especially like to thank these friends, Mickey, Nicole, David, Dana, Chelsea, Micaiah, Starro, Jennifer, Eleanor, Natalie, Kirk, Hugh, Nora, Sam, Chris, and Haas the dog for making this podcast and so many other projects possible. If you feel like a stranger that would like to find their story a home in this tangled wilderness, please consider submitting it. The Hills are listening. Next month, we have something undetermined for you. (laughs) Because we haven't locked in a feature yet. Maybe it could be yours. Stay well. We hope you come back. Also, if anyone was wondering from earlier in the podcast, future Inman looked it up. Mary Shelley was famously bisexual and kinda rad. She had sex on her mother's grave, kept her husband's calcified heart as a paperweight, and fell in love with her husband's mistress. <laughs> <laughs>